Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tell them welcome to the gray area and stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate. Every other Thursday, politics to the chips. Get up on this wave. <laughs> now tell me what's to talk about. Cause we the only thing to talk about. How you keep reality in check. Just keep it real rapping. Don't gossip with the facts. Yeah. The NBA season is at its midpoint. And I felt it was only right to get sucker free. This is the Gray Area, and I am your host, Ray Jarvis. The NBA season has been a topsy-turvy one filled with surprises, turbulence, and most recently heartbreak with the loss of the legendary, my idol, Kobe Bryant. But the games have to go on. Kobe would only want it that way. And we are at the midseason point of said season. And, you know, I'm I'm liking the basketball. I'm liking the things that I'm seeing. I'm missing for a few things. And I figured, you know, my sparring partner, maybe the, the person I like talking about ball with the most on the gray area, my man, Mike Miller. Welcome back, my brother. My brother, what's good, man? You already know what it is. Brothers and sisters, friends and enemies, and of course, you know it's ever free, so we cannot forget the sucker MCs, man. You already know. Bro, this episode is named after that saying, of course we cannot forget the sucker MCs. That that like that intro right there is a lot of sucker MCs when it comes to NBA talk and people all over the world. And we need Mike Millers to have that balance. Oh, I'm humbled, my brother. I'm humbled to be here with you, man, as always. Already, already. Um, so Mike, let's get right into it, man. You know considering you've had a lot of life going on and I, I don't get the basketball takes on a day-to-day that I normally get in our sports group. Shout out to Kalkulange Company. Yo, NBA season, right? My Lakers are doing really well. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing from my Lakers. They've, they've surprised even me. I knew the team would be good, but elite level good with, with two superstars trying to find their way together. I didn't expect it to hit hit the ground running. LeBron's previous history with new teams indicates that, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a stutter before they, they hit that cruise control and they start cooking. But the Lakers are doing well, and I'm feeling great about it. But a part of me is also feeling a little hollow because I feel as though they're getting over, they're cooking, but there's a team in blue out of San Francisco that's that's on pause this season, and I don't even hear people talking about them. So my question to you off the rip is, are, are you and is the NBA as a whole missing the Golden State Warriors? Of course. That's without question. Okay. We, we know that we know that it's not just the Warriors, but we know that the ratings are down 15%. Mm. The NBA's dying. Remember, every, well... NBA is not dying. Let me not. That's blasphemous. That was that was hyperbole. <laughs> Sometimes I talk too fast and get a little ahead of myself. NBA is not dying. It's the greatest sport ever. Basketball is the greatest. But our ratings are taking a hit because let's be honest, the evil empire is not like as much as as much as the AD joining LeBron was amazing and everybody was looking forward to it. Kawhi and Paul George joined the Clippers, and everyone sees them as 1A, 1B. True. And then this was supposedly the most wide open league. See, this is the thing. What what we're all getting now is a reality check. Uh. The reality is that the NBA is not the NFL. We never was a parody-driven league. Never. Even us that wax poetically about the 90s, we're looking at it through rose-colored glasses. We know that the Bulls was probably going to win it. I'm a Pacer fan. And yes, I was really excited that Reggie and them had a chance, but we kind of knew Michael Jordan had like a stranglehold on the league the whole 90s. True. That's what sells the NBA. The NBA has a formula. And David Stern, rest in peace David Stern, 
he had the formula. We're going to market storied franchises and superstars and rivalries. That's the formula. What the Warriors provided these past five years, they provided all of that. They, they created the rivalry against LeBron. They're not a story franchise, but they became like a story franchise within this period, this five years. No NBA team has had this this kind of run since the Celtics of the 60s. This is um, true. So they had that, and then they had the superstars. They had Seth and KD. They were literally a perfect storm for the NBA. Right now, all the stars are kind of together. It doesn't have that same energy. So, of course, we're missing the Warriors. You know what? I appreciate your honesty because... A lot of people are out here and and they're pretending as if there's not a gap in the league that there's not a team missing out here there's there's not a team that 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 had a certain entertainment value forget 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 the 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 one loss bracket for a second just the sheer watchability of basketball the entertainment of it all golden state was an extremely entertaining watch they were the closest thing they were the closest thing to the globetrotters in NBA history, maybe Showtime League is a close second, but with that ball movement, the three-point shooting, the damn near trick shottery at times it looked like from Golden State, to me, I'm missing that. I got spoiled watching that. That's um, That was textbook basketball on steroids we got for five years. Uh, bro, that's what I'm saying. This is why I love our conversation, because these are two basketball minds. We're just talking about basketball. You admitted you're a Lakers fan. I'm a diehard Pacer fan. But we're basketball fans more. Watching them play was beautiful. You you hate basketball if you don't like watching them play. Like put your desire of of your team, your individual team winning a championship as much as you can. Push it to the side. And if you're just watching, like you just said, if you are watching the Warriors these past five years, pre and post KD, well before KD and with KD, you can see how amazing it was to watch. They're the way we should want every team to play basketball in terms of not everybody chucking threes, but even the Warriors, that wasn't their whole formula. It was just beautiful basketball, bro. And we're missing that. And so we have what we have now, a parody-driven league with not really that many good teams. And that's the thing that we need to talk about. You know, everyone, and and I've had debates with people in in various comment sections and in in person. People have tried to lie to themselves and say the NBA has has had parity in the past and things of that nature. And the NBA has never been a parity league. They've had full parity where it looked like teams had a shot. Even when, like, let's say the Shaq and Kobe era, we we had the Kings, we had the Spurs. But from 2000 to 2002, that three-peat, we knew who it was. We knew who the favorite was. It was a clear and heavy favorite going into the playoffs we understood that you know and and even if during the peak Shaq and Kobe era even if that team got over on them it was considered an upset okay when when, when you had the Spurs once Shaq and Kobe fell apart and the Spurs were there they were the favorite even if they even if they didn't repeat you had to go through the Spurs And, and and let's take it a step further you know people get mad they got mad at Golden State but if you look at any era of sports Mike any sport, baseball, football, hockey, whatever, golf. The sport is at its peak when when there is a heavy, heavy favorite who might even be a villain. When even in professional wrestling, business is good when you have a top level villain. You need a heavy favorite champion to 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 be toppled, you know, so that we're compelled to watch because as the series gets deeper and that villainous heavyweight, heavy heavy favorite champion is in a series, more people pull up. When it gets to two two and is a is is a huge game five, people are tuning in. And let's not even talk about game seven. So why wouldn't you want a heavy favorite? What people like? I just feel like people just talk when it comes, especially with basketball recently in recent years and i'm gonna talk about that on a later episode about bozo sports fans i'm just feeling like people are just talking just to talk and they they throw out the facts forget the facts (laughs) they they want parody this is a fact bro this is the influence of the nfl bro as the number one sport people are conditioned to think that there's parody all the time no way the patriots keep winning all the like bro this is nonsense yo i used to be one of the same people guilty as charged that would say oh man this is a no i make those complaints but when you think about it 
like as you said, as we we all know, this is how it's always been. And what was so interesting about the Warriors were they started out being loved. Yes, they were, they were underdogs. Loved them. Like even when they when they were going seventy three and nine, no one hated that. Everyone watched it. They loved it. It was only after they lost in the last minute of the of the seventh game of the finals did everyone try to recreate recreate history and say oh well they shouldn't have went 73 and not we all loved it it was a joy to watch and even that first kd year when it was blowing through everyone people complained of course kd went with them but part of everyone loved the dominance we just know it and now of course when your team plays them in the playoffs like if you're a houston fan right you hate it because you because you thought you were close but I, but some of us knew you never were going to beat them. But they never was going to lose. It's just, that's just my thing. The way they lost last year was the way everyone predicted they would lose in the past five, in the past couple of years, especially with KD, by injury. <laughs> there was no team that was going to beat them on the court. And it, it was fun to watch. Right? You know what, too? And, it's, and, and, and for me, I, I secretly enjoy the double talk in the double standards that comes with discussing the Warriors. Because every, you know, when, because I've spoken about this with you in the past, when it, when it comes to the, the opponents that they beat and people will throw the asterisk, even people like Anthony Mullen would throw the, the asterisk out there about this person was hurt and they didn't beat anybody and Steph didn't get it done and whatever the hell else he, him and others like to say, right? But as soon as, as soon as Steph gets hurt or KD gets hurt or Clay gets, gets hurt, the rules don't apply. You know, they talked about the 2016 finals where Steph didn't show up. And, and I said to people, Steph played on one knee. You know, he, he had a great, he, he had a great, these are the facts of people who like to, to act like they know the facts. He had a great three MCL sprint. That should have kept him out six to eight weeks. Okay. He came back and essentially would amount to a week and a half, two weeks. Right. Right. KD had the same injury the following season, but he had a grade two, a lower grade of the same injury, which means it's not as bad. And he missed four weeks. What are we talking about? Just help him with facts. That's all. That's all we'll be here for is to help him with facts. So how can a player playing on one knee show up? He couldn't even dribble around Kevin Love. He could not. His lateral movement was shot. He could only go north and south. And his game was lateral. What are we talking about? Ray, you and I know better than this. We don't even got to go to Steph's injury. Draymond doesn't get suspended. The Cavs lose in five. The end. The end. We know, like everyone, we know this. They beat them in their home. They, first of all, the first two games, they blew them out by 20. Yep. Then game three, that was Kevin Love didn't play. That was the Richard Jefferson game. Yep. The Cavs smoked them by 20. Then game four, the Warriors beat them in Cleveland. We know what was going to happen in game five. Draymond was killing that series. We know what would have happened. And then somehow or the other, Kawhi Leonard gets full credit for this NBA final series when he only played the Warriors for a piece, a smidgen of game five. Come on. But this is Ray, the last time we had a conversation, Mm -hmm. I tell you, I'm not accepting him as the best player in the league. Okay. Fast forward four months, Kawhi is not the best player in the league. It's crazy. they They may very well win a championship doing stupid low management. But there's no way you're telling me a part-time player is the best player in the league. I don't care if he – it's easy to get 30 and five straight games if you just miss the last eight games. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> He's not the best player in the league. We, you don't get it by default. He beat half the Warriors. You don't get no default, especially not when Steph, when Anthony would argue with me that Steph can't be the best player in the league because he beat LeBron. Oh, because Kyrie and Kevin Love wasn't playing, but he beat LeBron, though. That's the point. He beat LeBron. Right. If we're saying Ke- if we're saying Kevin Durant was the best player on the Warriors last year, Kawhi did not beat the the best player on the Warriors. But listen, they moved the goalposts when it comes to the Warriors. None of it matters. It doesn't matter. Okay. And then they, they they're trying to tell you that Steph didn't show up, but all Steph did in the finals was show up so bad that they had to run a high school defense to stop him. They had to box in one Steph, but he didn't show up. He didn't, oh no, he didn't get the sympathy LeBron got. <laughs> he didn't get that sympathy. No. He didn't get that. It's he a double standard. Look, he didn't, nobody made no argument. Stephen Curry was averaging 30 and 10 in the finals. No one made an argument. Oh man, the fact that he got them the game six means he should get finals. We didn't make the argument no. we made for LeBron in 2015. We didn't make it for Steph last year. We said, oh well, bum, you should have hit that final. And this is what I'm saying. 
they, they there's so much hatred for them that they talk they talk about the same energy but their energy is not the same but i just wanted to get that in there because i you know what it is before i shift topics i know that they miss the warriors because there's no team to hate there's no team that will make you stay up until t- to one o'clock in the morning to watch them play on the east coast because it's theater okay quickly we don't hate your Lakers because people believe they can be beaten by another team. There you that's go. That's and that's sports fandom. Because no one thought nobody could beat them. That's the difference. And we know it. It was, it, was, it was criticism via envy. But to Steph and Clay, before we go to the next topic, quickly, um, should they return the season or should they just take the season off and see, see them next year? That's a tough call. I mean, as a Pacer fan, when Victor, oh, not Vic, Vic coming back tonight, Seth Pacers, we're here. But, um, when Paul George broke his leg, mm-hmm. that was that very same question of should he come back? And he actually came back like the last 15 to 20 games of the season. He came back in mid-March. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't look right, of course. He still looked like, you know, he, he hadn't been working out in a while. Right Now, it, it's a 50-50 argument. Some are going to say, well, he should just wait a whole season. But I thought it was good for him just to get acclimated, just to play basketball. It just gives him more. He's a basketball player. And I think just even this question is more so part of a larger question of a, of the culture we're in now, the low management culture. Mm-hmm. where We just don't want basketball players to play basketball. This is we true. We want them to play 33, 40 games like Kawhi. He's going to play 66 games this year and no one cares. Like basketball players play basketball. But the interesting thing is we're seeing more injuries. Like, remember, Achilles injuries used to be rare. It's common. So everybody's tearing <laughs> their Achilles. Like, that's crazy, but they're playing less games, less practice. The, the legend Gary Payton was talking about it the other day. So, to me, I think if Steph and Clay are 100%, not 90%, if they're 100% healthy in this March, throw them in there, let them get a couple games under their belt. I dig let it. Them play back. This season was a wash. Only The only caveat I would say to that is if it would. It's because they, they'll probably win games. Uh, mess up, mess the, up the lottery, yes. It, it, for that reason, that would be the only reason I would say not to play them. Like, maybe I would say hold off playing them maybe the last five games. I've, but well, other than that, they're basketball players, man. And you can't worry about draft stock when you essentially are bringing back two all, a superstar and an all-star. True. The Warriors don't have to, they have to really worry about drafting. Well, for me, I think the report saw that Steph said that he'd be back in March. So because it's a hand injury, I'm not too concerned about him coming back because it's not a knee. Like for Clay, even though the, 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 the ACL, you know, it didn't look, it didn't even look bad when it happened. We've seen ACL injuries look really bad. So the fact that he even tore ACL is like, you know, maybe he could come back. Maybe he'd have been back if this team was good. You know, we don't know. But for me, because the the way that leg injuries are becoming more and more prevalent around the league, I, I might want I might want to tell Clay to chill and we'll see you next year. Get into some heavy Right. Get into some heavy off season training. Build your body up. Do what you gotta do to make sure that knee is a hundred percent stable because the way the league is, they they run now. This is not like before where players could come in and they could just sit in that half court and the pace wasn't high. These guys, I'm not saying they running up and down like soccer players, but Jesus, they they are back and forth. It's in it's in fast forward. Well, remember the Warriors are used to that kind of style of True, true. You know, Nelly Ball. Yeah. Not really Nelly Ball, but... Um, nah, Nelly was running too. You're right. Yeah, Nelly Ball, Mike D'Antoni's office. They mm-hmm. kinda, so the Warriors kind of adopted that. Steve Kerr was there for that. So he kind of adopted that kind of uh, speed up kind of play. Because you know the Warriors' whole offense is, is body movement. Right. And players, uh, the body movement, ball movement. So I think that... But I, your point about the ACL is spot on. Like, that's a leg injury. You kind of want to play that close to the step. It's a shooting hand. It's not a shooting it's hand. It's non-shooting hand. Yeah. I would selfishly, I would if let's say it does happen, and you know we 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 here talking with fans, but let's say Clay decides, you know what, I want to get a ten game run. Steph wants to get a ten to fifteen game run. Selfishly, I'd like to let them keep D'Angelo Russell just to get a vision of what D'Lo, Draymond, Steph, and Clay would look like. Because I was curious. I thought that I thought D'Lo could be a sneaky good pickup with those boys. You know what I mean? So. 
I'm hoping if he does come back, I'm hoping it's with D'Lo in tow because maybe they don't need another star. Maybe they just need a lower maintenance player like a D'Lo to just fit in and get those looks in massive amounts of spacing. So my, yeah. my only thing with that, bro, with D'Lo and watching him this year, mm -hmm. um, he doesn't he's not a fast player. Right. Like, he, he's a, real he's a controlled. Player. Yes. Yeah, like, it's controlled. That's a great way to use it. I don't want to say just methodical, but it's controlled. But it's not, to me, it just seems like he would slow their offense. Like, because he's a lot, he's real pick and roll. And mm -hmm. it's funny, Steph was on um, All the Smoke with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes, and he talked about his adjustment that he had to make when KD came because he's used to being a pick and roll player. Yeah. And KD came and he didn't have that many pick and roll opportunities when that's how D'Lo plays too. And if I don't know, both of them could play pick and roll and D'Lo slow in terms of how he plays. So I'm not as excited to see that now having seen him play mm -hmm. before, before. Well, let, let's, I, I, I throw this caveat to you. Um, what I what I'll say is, is that D'Lo might be in a situation where when it, when in Rome you do as a Roman. So if, if these players come back right, right, right. and Steve Kerr says we install in what we do, you got to fall in line. And I don't I don't see a situation where D'Angelo Russell's no KD. He's not going to say no. You're gonna have to fall in, brother. So we we're gonna see how that goes, right? But. Right. As we at the midseason point, there's certain teams that are floating to the top. Uh, we have the Lakers. We have the Clippers. We have the Bucks. The Miami Heat are looking very interesting, surprisingly. Uh, there's a few There's a few teams. The Utah Jazz are, 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 are finding their stride. The Sixers are, have not lived up to expectations. You know, they're not a very good road team. They've had some injury concerns, so on and so forth. Uh, my question to you is, is, of these top teams, because once we get out of the All-Star break, it's going to be March right around the corner, and then we're talking playoffs. Of these teams, uh, we'll keep it at four. Both L.A. teams, the Heat and the Bucks. Real or fraudulent? I'll start with the team with the best record in the league, the Milwaukee Bucks. In your eyes, is this team the team that's going to represent the East? We'll throw the, uh, for the listeners, I'm sorry, we'll throw the Raptors in there as well. So it's five teams in total. Do you, do you think that the... Hey, you got to put the Raptors yes. in there. Eight-game winning streak. Do we look at the Bucks as a team that will represent the East or will they disappoint in the playoffs once again? I think they have the best chance. But I, I mean, well... They could just call me biased. Okay. I think if Vic is really, really healthy, I think we have a chance to beat them because I think the key to beating the Bucks is you need big. Yes. I have two. Philly has two. So I think we have the ingredients to beat them. Indiana, if Vic comes back, is a, is a dark horse in the East for sure. That's what that's what I'm saying. But outside of him being 100%, it's going to take him a while. Mm -hmm. So outside of that... They have the best chance, but I'm not guaranteeing this. Which is crazy because they look like they're going to win like 78 games. <laughs> but, <laughs> True. But it's like, because they don't look like they're ever going to lose and no one cares. But I just think. Surprise, surprise. No one, I, I think the reason no one cares is because, again, we have yet to, we have yet to see in a seven game series, Giannis defeat the blueprint. Uh. So the blueprint is very clear, as I argued when the last time we spoke, is that. It could have been anybody. It didn't have to be the um, the Toronto Raptors. Anybody would have been poor because the because the Celtics did the same defense to him the year before. True. It's very simple. Put one guy on him, build a wall. They don't have anybody else that you can depend on. And Giannis has just approved us. Though he's been playing great this regular season, we gonna give him credit. But Giannis has yet to prove to us that but, he can. But Mike, that he can, Mike. He, that kind of defense. Mike, you got to be fair, though. The one guy they put was Kawhi Leonard, bro. Come on. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. That's why I said the, I, I would have granted you that argument if the Celtics didn't just do it to him the year before. True. Like the Celtics did it to him the year before. They did the same. They did almost a similar to exact defense. Put one person on him and build a wall. Okay. And trust, and then let's see if the Bucks trust Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe to win a game for him. I, dig I just it. don't have any evidence that I can trust that. Now, it'll be key, and I'm just saying it now, I'm going to put it out there now. If the if the Bucks win, go represent the East in the mm -hmm. finals and win a championship against one of those L.A. teams, then, we, then a lot of things are going to shift in the way we view these narratives of of, of joining teams and, and also when we uh, do revisionist history about LeBron's past, like I said, I'm just teasing it, <laughs> but I'm just letting you know, if this team, this 
because this is a blank team. Let's call it what it is, a blank team. It's a LeBron. It's like LeBron on the Cavs before he, he went to Miami. I'm just saying, if this team wins a championship or makes it to the finals, the conversations are going to be a little bit different around the NBA. We'll put it like that. So, are you are you calling them fraudulent? Is is that what I'm hearing? Um, what what's in between fraudulent and good? They're a push right now. They're a, they're a solid maybe. <laughs> they're, a so, they're a solid maybe. I like that better. They're a solid maybe. I'm not. I can't commit yet. I can't. Okay. I dig it. I dig it. Well, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Uh, I they. they you could say you could make the argument with with losing Brogdon that they might be a team that's lesser than the team that won a bunch of games last season, right? Just for the sake of argument. However, I feel like Giannis has made some strides offensively. He's trying to to stretch the floor. He's trying to be a threat. He's trying to at least pull that one defender out far enough to where they can have the necessary space for a guy like Middleton, Bledsoe, the Lopez's, so on and so forth to get off. But the the question is, to your point is, when it gets hot in the postseason, I, I, is, is Giannis going to be there? I'm not doubting him because I feel like we have to spell it out for listeners. I am not doubting Giannis Antetokounmpo. What I'm saying is, is that when it gets hot in the kitchen in the spring and summer, will you have enough game? Will that three-point shot that you've been working on, will it show up in the postseason? Do you trust that three-point shot? You saying you're not doubting him. And you telling the fans that, right? You tell the fans, I am. Oh, wonderful! (laughs) I have no reason not to. Okay. Listen, if I'm wrong, who cares? It's sports. You just can be wrong. Like just, I love what you said before. Like we ain't keeping score like that. That's a fact. Right? Sometimes you're wrong. This is sports, baby. But I'm willing to go, and I'm willing to commit to that. Is saying that I'm doubting it until until further evidence. I have every right to doubt. I have every right to. No, you're right. But for me, I I I need to see this these new elements of your game yeah. in HD in the postseason. You because you you, you can have like I always say, there's always those random Tuesdays in the NBA where you could beat up a scrub team. That's fine. In the postseason, you're playing a good team every night. You might be playing a team that you're better than, but you're playing a good team every night. And you can you might run into a, a good team with a really good coach who's gonna say, you know what? This guy can't do this, and he can't beat us, and we won't let overpaid Middleton. We're going to let Middleton try to beat us. But this guy, absolutely not. But it's, it's all about the game, right? Do you do you have – what's in his bag? Does he have the tools in that bag to get it done? That's the question. I, I, and, yeah, let me make sure like, – I like what you did, and I'm going to echo that. Let me give him credit. He did work on his jump shot. Unlike that, that other uh, bum in uh, Philly, he worked on his jump <laughs> More on him later. <laughs> Nah, 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 he not a bum. But he worked on his jump shot, and we're going to give him credit. We're not going to try to pretend like he can work on his jump shot, and he did. And kudos to you, Giannis. Way to work on your game. Kids, pay attention. You got to work on your game every offseason. So you got to add something. Kobe used to say it all the time. Man, everything is about Kobe right about now. <laughs> That's a fact. But, um, Kobe used to talk about you always add a piece. All the great players always added a piece. So sh- shout out to Giannis for adding a piece. You know what? We gonna see Giannis. I'm gonna call him slightly fraudulent, but not because I don't believe them, but because I need to see Giannis take that final postseason leap. So I'm gonna call him fraudulent. Now just say you just say you don't believe in him. It's cool, man. It's alright. I just I think that he could. I just want to see. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to violate. That's all. He got a chance to prove us wrong. We can just be a doubter. That's a fact. That's a fact. Listen, I won't waste too much time in Miami. I like what I'm seeing from the Heat, but they, but but to me, I I got a, a a saying, a phrase for sports teams when they do things like this that we don't expect, but we know they're not this. I call them a cool story. The Miami Heat are a cool story. Okay, I just I just believe that in the postseason. They don't have the horses unless somehow they pull off that CP3 trade that's been floating around on Twitter from from different scribes. If if that CP3 trade happens, then then I'm all I'm all the way on board with Miami. Coach Spo, uh, Jimmy Butler, and CP3. I think they could come out the East. I believe that. No, no, no. Hold on, man. No. Uh, 
Ray, I think we're putting way too like we've seen this before where we see a nice young team right. with a lot of energy. Right. Come out early. They've been consistent, but the playoffs come in you know NBA play as you just said, NBA playoffs is different. Mm-hmm. Now the only advantage they would have is that they're also gonna be facing a bunch of other young teams. Right. So they get that kind of not if they see us in the first round. I I would love to see them in the first round. That TJ Warren, uh uh a Jimmy Butler conflict, but yep. the difference is we'll have Victor Oladipo as well. You loved every piece of that. You, you of course, you know, I, I would love to see them in the first round. <laughs> so my thing is, while I like them, while I like uh, what what is uh Kendrick Nunn, I, they got the Tyler Hero. They got a lot of young pieces. I actually wanted to sit in, and and they got a lot of young pieces that I like. But they're one of those Denver type of teams two years ago where. I need one or two more years before I just start jumping in on young guys. CP3 would be nice, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I'm not the biggest CP3 fan. I, 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 you know, I normally call him CP0. So I'm not. I'm not that big of a CP fan, and especially now that his advanced age, I'm not that big of a Jimmy Butler fan. I think he's a good player, but you know, Jimmy Butler thinks he's better than what he actually is. Like he thinks he's on AD kind of level. And we have no. We have no evidence for that, Jimmy. Oh. We have no evidence. <laughs> like, we just gonna keep it on We have no evidence that Jimmy Butler is a superstar. We have no evidence for that. But Jimmy thinks that he is, and that's so. You can have you can have that. You have to have confidence in yourself. Jimmy Butler's one of those dudes that got it from the mud. I respect that, one hundred percent. I respect that. But there are levels of self awareness that we need Jimmy Butler to have. It sounds like contradictory statements that I just said. I'm just saying, man, you got to have confidence, but you can't be overconfident. He did, but, you know. So, no, Miami for me is, it's a nice, like you said, it's a cool story. It's cute. Let's get everybody in South Beach excited so they can show up to playoff games late and all that. You know what I'm saying? We got to have all that. But, no. And Toronto, Siakam, kudos to him. It definitely made me eat my words. I look dumb now because I said they wasn't making a playoff. Mm. But they're solid. They're going to be a solid playoff team that probably loses in the second round. Jeez. Well, you you beat me to the punch there. I I, I was going to swoop and go the other way. I I think Toronto is our very – I think the Raptors are very real. Um, You know, let me tell you why. They they have a culture – I like what they're doing with Siakam. I like I like the fact that they're playing a creative brand of basketball. They're not playing like like hero ball offense. They again, you and I like to see ball movement. We like to see player movement. Coach Nurse is doing that. And what I learned from Coach Nurse in the finals, and I think is very dangerous as a head coach for opposing teams, is he's not afraid to try anything to win. The coach that's not afraid to try things and doesn't go down dying on hills of his system is a very dangerous coach in professional sports or in any league, okay? So seeing that, that tells me that he might not believe he has the horses to beat said team, but he might hatch a plan that he knows will work, and it doesn't matter if it's considered Bush League or amateur. He's going to try it and make life difficult for whoever he goes up against. That's why I'm not writing off the Raptors. That's a talent. That's a gift and a curse. Okay. That's why. I, the first example that popped in my mind was, I believe, the 2006-2007 Mavs. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Avery Johnson. And Avery Johnson was the, was the type of coach that would take chances. And I remember, because this is that year, they lost in the first round to the Golden State Warriors, the We Believe team, with Captain Jack and Matt Bond, Al Harrington, mm-hmm. and P. Diddy. And I remember early on in the regular season, they had swept the Mavs. They beat them three to zero, I think. And they like purposely kind of tanked to get to the AC because they felt confidence against the Mavs. And one of the scouting reports was that they was going to be physical with dirt, right? And the Mavs tr- traditionally played big. I think they played with Eric Dampier. Yeah, that was a big team. And one of the things Avery Johnson did to his detriment was because he was so apt at trying to adjust and will do anything, he changed his lineup and made it a smaller lineup. But what that subsequently did was it played into the hand of Don Nelson. True. And the Mavs and, and the We Believe team's already small lineup. Well, I don't think Nick Nurse will – that's what I'm saying, though. I don't think Nick Nurse will do – he might try something, but if it doesn't work, he'll back off of it. 
I think that's the big difference right there. That's why that's the gift and the curse. Okay. Sometimes the curse comes when you try to back, back off when you're down 30. Cool. Like if you're already down 30, or if you already thrown off the rhythm, because you know that is part of, we've seen it in NBA basketball a lot of times, part of the time you make minor adjustments in the playoffs. You can't make major ones where you will throw off the whole chemistry of the team. Like you can't take the dude that was the eighth man and just throw him into the into the um, playoffs and tell him, go, I win a game for it. Right. Bringing Andre Iguodala, who's normally a starter, off the bench in the finals, just is not that big of a tweak it, as opposed to bringing a dude that's never started, not, neither in the regular season or in his career, bring him off the bench and have him start to change the finals. That's one of those drastic moves that, that can work or that can destroy your whole chemistry. Facts. So, but I like the fact that... You, but you're right about Nick Nurse's ability to... It, it's kind of like um my man... At the, what's my man at the Celtics? Um... Brad Stevens. Yes. You know, kind of like this genius kind of mind. Even I don't really respect Brad Stevens, though, bro, because... He, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why quickly. Overrated. I think he's overrated, overrated. and not because of the X's and O's. I, I hear a lot of these Celtic fans who make me roll my eyes. God knows how they make me roll my eyes when it comes to Kyrie Irving. It takes a certain type of coach to coach superstars. Not plucky players who overachieve, but superstars. Brad Stevens can't coach any superstar in the NBA. He's not built for that. He doesn't know how to communicate. Because he lo- they, they'll blame Kyrie. But Brad Stevens lost that locker room. Oh, for, oh, for sure. But it's the coach's responsibility to keep, to keep it together. How do you think Phil Jackson won 12, 11 championships? How? Keeping that locker room together. It wasn't just him. Stop it. Don't do that. But what I'm saying is, when you have, per- but what I'm saying is, when when you have, no, 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 you miss, you miss what I'm saying. Stop it. You miss what I'm saying. I'm not talking. I'm talking about managing personalities. Yeah. That is an art form in the NBA. Yo, Brad, I'm with you. Brad Stevenson takes some culpability. That's that's all I'm saying. You became for Kyrie a little bit. I came for Kyrie, but what I'm saying, I agree with you. Kyrie and Kenny Atkinson's fault too, homeboy. Kyrie's hardly on the floor. We can't, we we can't, we can't even talk about the Nets. He's not playing. <laughs> yeah. That's even worse, sir. Oh, my God. Like, the, the Kyrie, this season is completely on Kyrie. Notice that the cape is off. I, I've been quiet. <laughs> I, I, and I respect your ability to, to admit your, your, your wrongdoing and perspective on Kyrie. Outside of the legend Kobe Bryant, everyone else, my cape is situational. Kobe's the only person I'll cape for right or wrong. Everyone else is a situational cape. Trust me when I tell you. Wait for I'm with you. I'm with you on that. You know what I'm saying? But uh, to, the, to the Western Conference, yes, to me, it's a two-horse race. All these other teams, when I look I look at the way things stack up, I, I just I just don't see any other team unless maybe if Portland, because to me, Portland's underachieved massively. If they can make a deal and make that roster make sense, I wouldn't write them off. But it's all right. Fine, that's fine. Um, It's the Clippers, it's the Lakers, and then it's everybody else. Not Houston, not anybody. Um. I'm going to go out on the record right now. I'm a Laker fan, but right now, I don't care what anyone says in any comment section. I don't want to smoke with the Clippers. And I'm a Laker fan saying this. I saw I saw it two times, and I'm going to tell you what I saw. Why I love, but this is why I love you, bro, because you're honest. You're a basketball fan. Go ahead. I saw in both matchups, forget that it's the regular season. It's, it's a little nuances of the game that you're supposed to be looking for. In, in both situations, the Lakers either had a lead or they made big runs and they were controlling portions of that game. But then in the fourth quarter, the Clippers didn't make big runs. The Clippers had their horses and the Clippers ran offense and they took both games. And it's something to be said when people don't understand that. It's one thing to make a big run, hit big shots. It's another thing to lock down on defense and then run your sets and get back into the game. And they did that in both matchups. That fourth quarter on Christmas, the Clippers played ball. They, they didn't do anything astronomical. They moved the ball. Their players got to their spots. They got buckets. On the opposite side of that spectrum, the Lakers could not get a bucket. They Their offense looked disjointed in the half court. And as the Clippers locked in, I'm seeing AD in situations where, you know what? He should be getting lower in the post. He should be calling for the ball, but then that LeBron ball comes into play, and that that's where the dichotomy of AD and LeBron comes in tricky. We'll get into that in a second. So, for me, 
I, 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 I think the Lakers, I said it in the beginning, I stand on it. They need another guard, not a point guard. They need another combo-ish guard who can break a defense down and create and get his own bucket, or they will not beat the Clippers. I'm, sad, I'm sorry to tell Laker fans that, but it is what it is. Agreed. Agreed. I think the West, I think the you want to get into the Lakers or just talk about the West first? Nah, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm giving you the Laker ball. All right. So, um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I think your assessment is, is, is spot on. I mean, the way I see, here's how I see the Clippers. And I believe the Clippers, like, I believe the Clippers are the best team in the league. Right. Okay, I'm going to just keep it like that. Like, even though the Bucks smoked them that first game and Paul George was playing, that one game notwithstanding, matter of fact, I'll give the Bucks the credit because they're forty-one and six. Right. That's that's not right for me to put somebody over. Nevertheless, we put that to the side for a second. I think, in all actuality, the Clippers are the best team in the league because I think it's it's going to be down to the Clippers and the Lakers. And I see the Clippers as what they're saying is that you are not going to beat us on the perimeter. No. They're saying you're not beating us on the perimeter. So the only thing that you can do is dominate us in the post. Anthony Davis has never been that kind of player, and I know we're going to get into this. Mm-hmm. Hold off on it, but look what Le- LeBron at this stage of his game. LeBron is not going to dominate Kawhi or Paul George. That's not going to happen, and that's what that's part of what you saw in those four quarters. Where if there was a guy that could take over the game from the perimeter, it would most likely have to be LeBron. But because you have Patrick Beverly, right. George and Kawhi, first-team defenders, it, it's it's one guy. So he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't have another wing guy that can get some, that can alleviate some stress like a Kyrie, like a D-Wade. So it's literally on him to try to get it from the perimeter. Kyle Kuzma is not going he's, to be that guy. He's never been that player. No. They traded a player who was the, it was the perimeter player they needed. His name is Brandon Ingram, but I digress. But the problem is Brandon Ingram don't fit with LeBron. True. That's the problem. That's the, so so that was the that was the gift and the curse and the Lakers knew it. Mm-hmm. That was smart enough to know. While Brandon Ingram is good because all those stats. Remember we debated this last year. All those stats Brandon Ingram was getting. It was when LeBron got hurt. Hey. He he can flourish by himself, but I don't think he can't flourish with LeBron because it's hard as a perimeter player. LeBron. It takes a certain kind of perimeter player to flourish with LeBron. It's true. So ball dominant. So overly. Part of the, I think that's part of the the problem the Lakers are going to have against the Clippers. Not everyone else, but against the Clippers. The Clippers are saying, we're dominating your, we're going to defensively lock down your perimeter. Right. We're not going to do anything on the perimeter. And Paul, and the key for the Clippers is the way their offense is run is we, almost similar to the Warriors where we're going to get it, we're going to get points from everywhere. We're not just going to do three-pointers and layups like the stupid Rockets. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it from everywhere and their primary players get it from, their primary scorers get it from the mid, from the uh, from the uh, mid-range. Yeah. Lou Williams, Paul George, and Kawhi are mid-range shooters. And that's, and that's the thing. And that's the thing that I like, I haven't really been seeing much of it, but from the time they acquired PG and Kawhi, right? When they hit, when they dropped that bomb in the summer, my phone blew up. It was like one o'clock in the morning. My phone, when I tell you, blew up on Twitter, blew up. And I and I then I looked at all the deals, right? Then I saw that Lou Williams was still there. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> they still have Lou Willville off the bench. He could be their closer. Essentially, you're looking at three closers. Yeah. Like if you like if you think about like I know Paul George had his mistakes as a closer at times. Mm-hmm. He was young, though, but realistically, talent-wise, you have, like, three closers. You had three dudes that are used to... Paul George had his own team. Yeah. Used to putting a team on his back. Kawhi Leonard had his own team. Lou Williams was leading the Clippers as the closer last year. Now, Lou, honestly, between the three of them, Kawhi is almost like a push as far as fear factor when it comes to closing because whereas Kawhi, you know, I love that mid-range game. He could get He could get anywhere on the floor. Lou will his innate ability to draw fouls, pull at three, like that the, the, that little elbow pull up, the the swing through and one. He has the whole package, and he does and he doesn't have the ego with the package, which is dangerous for any team going up against him. This report about oh there's this strife within the bench, I don't believe that. 
a lot of a lot of these NBA stories that just show up is just people throwing things in the atmosphere. It's made up to create strife, to create a storyline because it's not about the sport anymore. So I I, I look at them and and, and to, to put a bow in this segment when we were talking about the Miami Heat, the reason why. You know, we kind of have to. I see why you could raise an eyebrow at them and, and me to a slight degree is because, as good as they are, when they had two elite teams come to their crib, they lost. They lost to the Lakers, they lost to the Clippers. Those are the games that you have to win for people to look like, all right, cool. They got smoked in both games, even. So. We we got we got to call a spade a spade. Sorry, listeners. Miami Heat fans is not personal. We we just we just calling it calling what we see. We got about ten minutes. We got about ten minutes left in the episode. We had a Ben Simmons segment, that I'm gonna just turn it into one question. How big of an eye opener was MB's injury and Ben Simmons' performance? Why MB was out? Does, does that make you think twice about who should be with the Sixers going forward, or can they figure it out together? It made me accept. One support because I don't like, I don't like Ben Simmons. I'm gonna keep. I don't like his game. Okay. I, I'm gonna keep it real. I don't really like watching Ben Simmons because I just think it's a, it's a eyesore to watch a dude who refuses to shoot and only just like okay, his passes are cute and he runs fast. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really like watching his game. But anyway, putting that aside for a second, I've accepted what people have said for at least last year. They do not fit together. Right. Because he's refusing to shoot, they're going to occupy the same space. Yep. They do not fit together. The Sixers need to know it. Trade one of them. And you can't trade Embiid because he's a big man and big men don't get healthier. Right. So he's always going to have some kind of injury case. Call it bad luck, call it whatever. But he's a big man and he's not going to get healthy. So your your hope is that you can trade Ben Simmons because people will believe he's a... He, people are going to believe he's a star and he is sort of a star. So your best hope now, Philly, trade Ben, ben Simmons. Because he's literally refusing to shoot. And he needs to do it because that's the hole. Why would you not fill the hole? Some people, some Hall of Famers keep saying, well, if he just does everything, he does so many other things great. Yeah. Why can't we just focus on the great things he does? No. We need to focus on the things that are, that are preventing them from going far. The reason they keep losing series is because... It's not even not just last year, but the year before that was really the eye opener mm-hmm. because everyone knows we can just back off of him and he can't do anything. He he becomes a liability offensively. At- mm. So even with this performance, even with this performance without Embiid, you believe that for, for the Sixers to have the success they need, Ben Simmons is the piece that needs to be moved. Either move or change his game, and at some point, I don't know. Give up on the fact that he's going to change his game. I don't see that happening. I'm not even saying change his game. You got He has to shoot. He has to have a perimeter aspect. Just add something. Just Giannis gets to be the exact same player. Mm-hmm. Just added shooting. Ben Simmons could be the exact same player. He just needs to add shooting. It makes his. It would make his game easier. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I don't know. I don't want to sound ridiculous. Someone might roll their eyes at this question, but just. Not as far as like speed, but how athletic is Ben Simmons really? Like I've never seen him really like impose his will athletically. I could be wrong, but I feel like you know how LeBron comes through and he just throws it on you. You know, V Carter, Kobe Bryant, uh uh right now Giannis. Like like a force of nature. I don't see that from Ben Simmons. I you know, I, I could be wrong. He's not a super leaper, but he is super athletic. Okay. In terms of that body size, to have that speed, and he, like, gets off the ground quick. So he does have super athleticism without having the major leaping ability. Mm -hmm. But he does have crazy athleticism to be 6'10", and he's he's got a a, a physical build. So, So physically... Like he's phenomenal physically in terms of how he plays and athletically, but just his style of play it doesn't work with with Embiid, and we're seeing it. The six and three, like he looks better without him, and but together it's just like I've accepted it based on what I've seen. I've accepted there. Nah, that's that's a bad mix. Yeah, he's refusing to shoot, and it, I think it's a bad mix. Can they win despite the bad mix? Probably. All right. We've seen it before, but I don't think it's a good mix. Yes or no? Would you do D-Lo for Ben Simmons? Who? Would you do it? I do who? D-Lo for Ben Simmons. No. Okay. Next topic. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna bring the show to a close in the next about five to seven minutes. 
talking about a take because you said it already. I don't need you to rehash it, but I just want to. I just want to get. You, I want to just get your knowledge on this one, bro. Here we go. You had a hell of a take where you, you likened Anthony Davis to LaMarcus Aldridge. And when I tell you that my eyebrows hit my hairline, my eyes fell out of my head, I was stunned. I didn't know. I was dazed and confused. I didn't know what to make of this. <laughs> what the hell, Mike? Here's what happened. See, this is the problem. And this is, I told you I'll be talking too much. Okay. This is what happened. So I got excited about my point that I was making. Uh -huh. and I just threw a name out there and everybody grabbed the name and forgot the point. Mm -hmm. Point was, putting LaMarcus Aldridge aside, Anthony Davis is way more talented than LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay, let's be clear about that. He's right. a better player than LaMarcus Aldridge, okay? Let, let me be on record and be clear about My that. man. The point was, is that in terms of overall NBA success, Anthony Davis and LaMarcus Aldridge do not have that different of a success. And in fact, LaMarcus Aldridge, in terms of NBA success, yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge and other players, let's be clear, I didn't just say LaMarcus Aldridge, uh -huh. and other players like DeMar DeRozan, uh -huh. they have more NBA success. Anthony Davis, for the most part, before he got to L.A., was Kevin Love. Wow. I disagree. I disagree. Hold on. If you look at Kevin Love's numbers in Minnesota, uh huh. What what was the difference between Kevin Love's numbers in Minnesota and Anthony Davis' no, well, numbers? Well, yeah, the num the there is no difference, but but the impact. K Love didn't make the playoffs. He didn't sweep a team either. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Neither one of them really remember. K Love was only there what like five or six years. Neither one of them really made any. Anthony Davis made it to the playoffs two times. Right? And he swept the hell out of a star in the league. Yes. Well, okay. So when he got brought, this was his sixth year. Kevin Love ain't get six. But look, the, look who he was playing with. This was his seventh year. He was playing with Rondo and Jeru Holiday. My point. So when he got when he got some help. They were instantly a threat, no? Did he have Jerome Holiday the year before? Yes or no? Yes, he did. Holiday had injury concerns, bro. Come on now. Uh, but listen, all I'm who did Kevin Love have? I can make the same argument for Kevin Love. What I'm saying is, is that Kevin. You know what I'm but do you yeah, see my point? Yeah, but now, nah, but then we're seeing the. True. We didn't make that argument for Kevin Love. Okay, but but when we see Kevin Love and LeBron James, is not going to dominate the West the way AD and LeBron is. Come on now, come on. No, no. Remember this. We're now we're talking. We don't know. We know the argument we gave for Anthony Davis. We didn't give it for Kevin Love. Right. We accepted that that thirty and yeah. thirty that he used to get. But but see, but that's in fifteen. Said, oh, those are empty numbers. Y'all ain't making. But that's only one side of the ball. We're seeing on the defensive side of the ball is where AD separates himself from both an Aldridge or a Kevin Love. And Ray, you're making my point for me. Okay. That means I should be guaranteed a playoff spot if you're great defensively and offensively. The NBA don't work like that. He played. He played in the Western Conference and one of the greatest West eras ever. Come on now. We got to. We got to be fair. It was one. No, remember. Let's be clear. We just said it. It was one great Western Conference team. Everybody in the West wasn't great. Let's let's not do that. Yo, know, we gonna do it because Golden State was something else. Look at the wait, and Mike. Mike, look, all you got to do is do a simple Google search and you will see that as good as Golden State was, the teams below them were winning a lot of games. There was a lot of teams winning 50 plus games in the West. So somebody had to lose. Hold on, hold on. Let's be clear. Houston was winning a lot. Okay. Five year run. But outside of Houston, tell me another dominant. You saw what they did to the Portland. I'm not saying dominant. What I'm saying is you had teams who were winning a lot of games. Teams who were hovering around a 50 win mark. So somebody has to lose. What about Toronto? Toronto in the East was winning 50 plus. The East was garbage. Come on, Mike. You know I know better. It's trash. You put AD in the Eastern Conference the first five years of his career, he will make the playoffs every year. I don't know that. Come on. If D'Angelo Russell could take the Brooklyn Nets to the playoffs, AD can't get to the playoffs. Come on now. But remember, but remember, that's why my Kevin Love analogy fits because he was also in the West and didn't do anything. Situations, they, they make a difference. You can't just. That's what I'm you got. I, you know what? I, I, I want you to give Kevin Love that. Thing. Nah, because I think that if you were to put Kevin Love, if you swap in AD with, with Kevin Love's Timberwolves team, they'd be a better team. I'm willing to go that far. We don't, Ray. We don't know. We all we know is that AD had a had a 
Kevin Love had a trash team in Minnesota. Right. AD had a trash team in the Pelicans. Neither one of them did anything. L- Rajon Rondo nor Holiday are world beaters. They're, they're good. One is a really good NBA point guard. One is really good, and one is serviceable now. Because Rondo wasn't no star in New Orleans. Let's, let's not do that. Kevin Love. Kevin Love. But what I'm saying is, is that once you gave, what I'm saying is, once you gave AD a modicum, not a not a load, a modicum of talent. They were instantly a playoff team. They and they destroyed. It's not like it's not like they they struggled to beat Portland. They crushed them. And AD was the focal point of that. Oh, but they went against the Warriors. Though. Come on, come on. What happened when Kevin Love went with LeBron? He won a championship. Yeah, but he was clearly a third option. It never worked. Come on. All right. Come on. All right. Come on. What? If, okay. So if Kawhi comes, who's the third option? AD. He's a third option. AD's more efficient. AD's game is more efficient than Kevin Love's. But let's be real. If Kawhi came to the Lakers, AD's the third option. LeBron's the first option, as always. Right. Right. But the thing is, Mike, it's a different scenario when you add in efficiency. The difference in all those other trios was D-Wade wasn't, like, mega efficient. Right? Kawhi is Kawhi is super efficient. LeBron super efficient. AD super efficient. That's but that but the, what I'm talking about is in in the modern NBA efficiency is what makes trios work. That's what made Golden State so dangerous. Is that you had three wing players who were massively efficient. It was unfair. So that's what I'm saying. I think the efficiency would have made it so that that the, the, the trio, the possible trio of a Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, and AD would have worked better because need, none of those three guys need tons of shots to get into a rhythm and cook. That's that's all I'm saying. But that's what but that's what I'm saying. I'm just responding to your point that Kevin Love was the third option on Cleveland. Okay. Three stars there. Listen, I Kawhi on the Lakers, AD's the third option. But it but it's but it but it wouldn't it it would be a way better than a Kevin Love third option. That's what I'm saying. Oh wait, wait, wait. oh listen, A D is better than Kevin Love. Easily. Yeah. We argue with situations. I already know. That's what I'm saying. My point is my whole point to the AD thing was very clear. Mm-hmm. We put AD on a on a Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and LeBron James level. He does not have the he does not. Have nah, the he's a shade below. On that level, he don't belong there. That's what I'm saying. Tier two, tier three. Mm-hmm. The point, the main thrust of the point was, is that AD has done nothing in this league that warrants that he gets to be at the superstar level of LeBron. Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry and even James Harden. He has not done anything that puts him there. Okay. So we gotta be all I'm saying is all I was my whole point was is that we gotta be fair about A D. He's very talented. But when you start throwing him in that conversation, oh well baby, I got to see some I gotta see a resume. I well, see well you know what? I can't argue that. And you know what? Because that was such a strong argument. We're going to stop right here. <laughs> you know, I, I still disagree. I think that give, given the right circumstance, he will dominate and we will continue to see that this season. However, if I am wrong, I will have you back on this show and you can tell me how wrong I was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to revisit this. Hands down, we will. You're going to cook me. I already know. But um, real quick, before you go. Let them know where they can find you on social media. And if you got anything else going on that you want to share with the public, just let them know real quick. Yo, you, y'all can check me out on Instagram, God Soul Brother. That's G O D S underscore Soul Brother, B R O T H A 1 on Instagram. You can check me out, Mike Miller, Facebook. As always, I'm a pastor, so preaching the gospel, all different things. Got a podcast coming out called 2540. So just stay tuned, man. A lot of great things going on. And of course, check us out on the Sports Hit List. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We everywhere. Shout out to the Sports Hit List. That's my thing. My dude, Mike. This was fun as always. We'll do this again real soon. I appreciate you coming on, bro. Man, good looking, bro. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, I was the gray area. Chapter 59, Sucker Free NBA Talk. You know what I mean? And as always, as the saying goes, Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.